podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi guys and welcome to the Nina Kauser show. It's been international break, you know, we've had to take a little break, but no injuries for Liverpool Football Club, which is a big two thumbs up from every red, but unfortunately there has been an injury to the Nina Kauser show. Our producer Gags Tandon is out. He's too busy at Anfield, you know, gallivanting, watching the game. How dare he sell us out? How dare he? So today I am hosting, I am producing, I'm going to be reading the chat box as well. I'm multitasking today. So this, I am literally little Miss Versatile right here, little Ginny Wijnaldum, but Two awesome guys are going to carry me on this pod. I'm bringing you the finest, not from America, but from New York. I am delighted to be joined by Kev Hegarty and Justin Wells. Welcome to the show, lads. How's it going, Nina? How's it going, Kev? Kev. Hey, guys. Sorry. I'm here. (laughs) Reunited and it feels so good. Absolutely. I'm so glad you sang it, not me. No. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know the listeners feel the same way. I don't know. Nobody needs to hear me sing. Listen, <laughs> I take your bad singing over me screwing up people's names, okay? You know, <laughs> take, take the limelight off me. Be the Roberta Firmino. Be the selfless one. Help me out here. No, guys, thank you so much for joining me. Um, of course, we all hate the international break. You're kind of thinking, when's the real football back? So you know what? Um, we do have a caller lined up. Hopefully, we have more. So if, you got, if you're listening, guys, and you want to get involved, let us know. We'll, we'll bring you on. Never a problem, as you know. Pretty easy, be, pretty relaxed. We, we're live on Discord. So, um, I guess, um, uh, Justin, I'll come to you first. Your thoughts, um, it's an early kickoff, it's Newcastle, it's international, you know, you've just come back from international break. So, how do you feel after that? You know, it's really nice to win when we don't have to step out of third gear. And it's also really nice where I think the other team scoring first and scoring early isn't, and it isn't going to really, like, ruin the day for me because... We're resilient enough as to where Newcastle scores. We don't think we we don't think much of it. Go back, stuff them, and just do what we need to do. And it's quite it's quite nice to have this to root for. Absolutely. I mean, it's just a really like for me. It's such a weird time, weird kickoff as well because like it just it just feels too early. And I always worry about Liverpool and early kickoffs. I know they've gotten better, but then I was worried about Liverpool not being overly great, Kev, you know, after the international break. But luckily, no injuries. I want to get your thoughts. How do you feel after that? Because I'm just like, yes, I'm a bit like Justin here. We didn't play well, but we got the result. Boom. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I echo both of what you guys are saying. Uh, it is an early kickoff. It's 7.30 a.m. for me and Justin. I, I feel bad. Oh, God, now I now. feel like a little shithead now for complaining. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's 22.3 here, and the reason I'm here is because I'm not broken my fast. I'm a little bit hungry. <laughs> well, it's, uh, yeah. Well, um, I mean, I don't feel too bad for us for Armando. It's 4.30 in the morning, so I hope he's doing okay. Um, but yeah, no, we coming back from international break, you always think it's going to start slow. You don't want to kind of give up an early goal but honestly with this team nowadays it's more like uh 
no clean sheet rather than we're not going to win this. So it's like they gave up the early goal. I figured it would take a bit for us to settle and, and then we'd just kind of keep turning the screw until until the game's done. And that's sort of exactly what happened. We sort of pummeled them and, and kept working them and working them and working them. And then towards the end, it was just sort of a walk in the park. And that's nice for an early kickoff. It's nice after an early, you know international break. And it's nice to do to Steve Bruce. <laughs> so. absolutely you know i start my weekend off right cheers reds you know big smile on my face now all weekend but you know what it's about callers and we do have one lined up gags was good enough despite his injury to line me up a caller it's a familiar voice he's awesome he's also somebody that justin knows pretty well because they co-host the transfer rumor pod it is an honor to um introduce to diva to diva welcome to the show Justin's been running away from me, so I thought I'll chase him onto this chat. <laughs> Why is he running away from you? Go on. I'm so easy to find. I'm just really lazy. Eleven <laughs> Street Pub in New York. <laughs> I, I've actually met all three of you in person. Fun fact. Justin, are you the human equivalent of Garfield the cat? Um, I, I like lasagna. You like quite lasagna. A bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just really chill and really mellow. Well, you know what? That's pretty fucking awesome. And you have met all of us, which is really, really awesome. But I've not met you overseas. Like, I've not done the America thing. I mean, you've come here to us, but I need to make that trip because I do. I was so jealous of Gags when he was, like, posting all those selfies. Like, I just pretty much was contemplating life and just hating it. But to Diva, you've got him. What do you want to ask him? And, of course, Kev as well. Yeah, um, obviously a good win for us. I just wanted to ask if the panel and yourself, Nin, if you guys have seen vast improvements in game management. Um, I know that was a huge, huge topic um, before Klopp came and even in the early parts of Klopp's reign. But it seems like not just going down in games, but even knowing when to turn the pressure on and when to you know slow things down a bit. Um, I think that's vital, vitally important, especially with... Uh, how deep maybe a city squad is compared to our one, we can sometimes rest on the ball, which is quite cool to see nowadays, and then decide, okay, for the next 10 minutes, we're going to go for it. I, I don't know if everyone's seeing the same thing as well. It's an excellent question, and today we will bring you in. Kev, I'm going to come to you first on this one because I held off on this because there were some like, sort of changes to the starting lineup, and of course, Henderson and Firmino weren't starting, and of course, um, Oxley Chamberlain, a player that needs to get some game time, we need that in attacking mid, and of course, Divock Origi starts huge game against Napoli as well, midweek, as you know, so and and when you look at the opposition in, in Newcastle as well, you kind of think, well, you know what? We have enough to kind of beat them. I want to get your thoughts on that because when we look at the team lineup now, I don't know about you, I don't see much fume on social media. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, it's, you say Newcastle home, Steve Bruce team, so it's going to be different than than a Rafa team, which I think is weird. I think the last time I was on the show was Newcastle, but maybe. Um, the uh so yeah looking at the lineup you kind of go like well any of any of our sort of mixture of players could probably beat newcastle at home um so there isn't much fume you know getting bobby arrests or trying to get bobby arrest uh is a good thing um he he had a lot of traveling he played a lot for brazil uh fabinho didn't play i don't think or didn't play that much um so so i can see why he started but yeah again traveling sort of uh sort of hurt you if you listen to fatigue in index cheap plug there for the pro side um and uh getting ox to run out is important you could see i thought he did did pretty well today uh everybody was kind of shaky and slow to begin with but he looked you know the most progressive and 
and he did pretty well. Um, but to 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 the to to Diwa's question, um, yeah, I think our in-game management sort of tactically is 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 pretty good. We send a, uh, I think we reserve our energy. We're not as sort of pressing just for pressing sake. We kind of wait uh, for opportunities to press, wait for opportunities to to sort of turn it on. Um, you know, I, I saw Mane sort of floating all over the pitch today. I don't know if that was a, an instruction where he was on the left, he was on the right, you know, making everything happen. He had a great game today. Um, I still think Klopp sort of um, tactically from substitutions, maybe we could get better. I think that's sort of a running trend in us, but that also may be a, a symptom of who's on the bench and, and, and who, who needs a rest and who's injured and that sort of thing. So, but yeah, in general, no, I totally agree. I think we're great. Um, Great, great tactically uh, throughout throughout games like this. We conserve energy when, when we need to. And, you know, you'd like to get Bobby a bit more of a rest, but since we had an injury to, to Origi, um, um, he had to come on and he had a great game and, and, you know, we put it to bed pretty quickly. For sure, for sure. And Justin, I'm going to come to you because, of course, I know you watch and follow many, many kind of sports, um, you know, baseball and all that good stuff. But um, I want to get your thoughts on how Klopp is dealing with the game in game management, because it was something that he was massively criticised for, pretty much just using the same players and maybe making the subs a little too late and stuff like that. But I want to get your thoughts on how he's doing and how he did this game, because I don't know about you, but I was okay with the starting 11. And I thought to myself, well, we've got the biggest game in the Champions League. Well, on paper, the toughest game in the Champions League. So you kind of need to rest those players, given the fact that some of them have travelled quite far. So I want to get your thoughts. And do you echo what Kev said? I, I, I agree with Kev. And if you're actually talking about the starting 11, um, I actually think Klopp got it right. I don't think it was a re- I don't think Origi was finding himself particularly in or, in or out of the game any more than anybody else in the front three. I just think that the game was basically 20 minutes of the fullbacks being not very good, followed by 70 minutes of them being very good, and them getting space and time on the ball was really what opened the game up for us. And I think basically as far as game management, uh, it looked like basically we set up to say, okay, we're going to just do this in 10-minute spurts of dominating the ball and attacking, and then just kind of sitting off and just telling telling Newcastle that we know we're better than you and you're not going to do much. I mean, if you think about it, Newcastle, they got a goal from their first 20 minutes, which they, which they weren't even really that good. They just kind of nullified us, and they got a, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a worldly strike. It, it's the type of thing where you have to just accept it because it happens, but they never really troubled us beyond that. We, we were basically able to just play in third gear the entire time. I'll take those games. They're, they're not that stressful. No, they're not stressful. And I think it was always with the game management. And what I've kind of noticed to Diva is we don't really rely on individual brilliance. So no, we, we've got those players. And of course, we'll talk about it later on, later on in the show. But I feel like collectively, we're very good as a unit now. We play better. And, you know, when we kind of did go a uh, goal behind, it was a matter of when rather than if, which was probably something... Uh, a lot of Liverpool fans would question would be a question in our head, like if we get a goal, are we going to get a goal? Is it realistic? But to me, it doesn't seem problematic now that Klopp can make those little substitutions given the opposition. Like, had he made those subs against, say, I don't know, maybe the likes of a Man City, I think the conversation would be very different. I want to get your thoughts on that, Tadiva. Yeah, I think um, it also goes to what maybe we were talking before the podcast started about like Pep Guardiola and, you know, his style, his style. 
Um, I think it's similar with Klopp, where the players have to buy into the system, but more importantly, well, not maybe more importantly, but just as important, the fans have to buy into that system as well. Um, how many times early on in Klopp's tenure where, you know, we wouldn't score in the first 20 minutes and it would just be so tense in Anfield and you could just feel the tension. And whereas now, you know, we go down 1-0, everyone's still singing, everyone's still calm. We know we're going to get back into the game. And I think it's that belief now, not just um, from the players on the pitch, but also from just Liverpool fans in general, where trust the system, it, it will come good. And maybe that's where we were behind City still. Um, they, they obviously maybe had a bit more um, time with Pep to get that belief in, in terms of believing that their system is going to um, work in the end and, and get them the result they need. Um, whereas I'm starting to see that a lot more with us this season, um, w- which is really, really cool to see. And then in terms of, as you said, the starting lineups, um, I-, I thought the lineups I was happy with. Um, the only surprise for me maybe was Fabinho starting, considering the travel. But uh, as Kev has said, I don't think he played too much for Brazil. So it, it maybe may- it makes sense there. Um, and then I think uh, once Fabinho came on, obviously the game opened up. Hoping Origi is okay because uh, we're going to need him, whether or not we rate him, you know, whether or not someone's thoughts on him are, we are going to need him to take some of those minutes from from the front three going forward. No, absolutely. Any more points you'd like to share with us, Tadeva, before we let you go? Uh, no, that, that, that's all for me. Thanks. Okay, well, enjoy the rest of your weekend. The Reds have certainly helped with that. Cheers, guys. Have a good one. You take care. Okay, so that was Tadeva so far, our only caller. If anyone wants to get involved, any of our listeners, please let me know. Um, we can definitely, definitely, definitely bring you on, you know. But right now, it's just myself, Kev and Justin. So, you know what, Justin, I'll come to you. Kev kind of touched on something when he was talking about, you know, uh, when he was answering the question from Tadeva. And he said, you know, we, we looked a little... Our shape looked a little different. We probably looked a little narrow. The fullbacks weren't really getting into the game much. And maybe that's where Newcastle kind of scored their goal as well. You know, um, we, we kind of didn't look bad, but we didn't quite look ourselves. And I think a lot of that was probably down to the fact that it was an early kickoff. We've not played an awful lot of football. We were kind of finding our rhythm and our groove again. Uh, I want to, I want to get your thoughts on that. Um, uh, I kind of, for me, I just kind of believe that we just get better because it's a, it's a trend that I've noticed with this Liverpool side this season. I, I think it's that, and I also think that you have to credit Newcastle for their opening. Right? They they basically, and I think, and there's a, a huge backhanded compliment contained in this. Right? They 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 came out and for the first twenty minutes executed exactly what they wanted to, but the problem was is that their game plan was something that we figured it out after 20 minutes and they couldn't hold it for the full 90 and we basically destroyed it afterwards. So yeah, they, their game plan worked for 20 minutes and you know, it was flattering to them as they got a goal out of that 20 minutes, but we figured them out and thoroughly dominated them for the next 70. And I think that's part of it. It's like, you know, I think part of it's sluggishness because of just not having played in a few weeks. And part of it is New, Newcastle endeavoring to do something, accomplishing it, but having what they accomplished be so short-lived that uh, they were going to lose. Absolutely. And Kev, I'm going to come to you because 
I feel like you have to be a special kind of pedigree kind of team to hold off this Liverpool team. And, you know, you, you always knew that, you know, like when, when a team presses really well against Liverpool, you know they're going to tie if they're not, you know, like a, if they're not basically Man City or, you know, a top four team, they are effectively going to tire. They won't be able to sustain or maintain that kind of intensity. And I kind of always felt like that was always the case with like Newcastle as well. That was only a matter of time before the fullbacks, like you said, are going to start getting into position, going to start. Cause I found that Newcastle were really like, they really kind of compressed us. There wasn't an awful lot of space in, in the box. And I felt like once the fullbacks got into the game and kind of opened up the the pitch and added some width and dimension to to the game, there was a lot more space and a lot more pockets. And uh, you know that's where I felt like Newcastle had a lot of their problems. Yeah, as you say, the the fullbacks kind of started slow, <clears throat> um, and then like event- eventually, uh, Trent was pretty good um, for the rest of the game, and Robbo had actually ended up having a really great game. Yes, um, especially well, both offensively and defensively, although. Our defense and offense look very similar when you play a game like uh, we play a team like Newcastle. But as Justin said, they they sort of did endeavor to to do something, and I think it's because we don't struggle against low block teams anymore. Um, that was sort of a sort of a, a hallmark of early uh, early Klopp when he first came in is that we had great pressers and we were pressing all over the place. It was a little bit you know chicken with your head cut off, but um, and against low block teams, we're struggling a little bit where we needed somebody like Coutinho just to kind of bang one in from distance and that sort of thing. And we needed a little bit of that today, but but because we're so good at breaking those teams down now, I think other teams are thinking they have to try something different to get anything from us. And to his credit, he, he did. And it was a bit of a mistake um, in the beginning. And and the goal, the Newcastle goal was, was pretty great. It's a great finish. Um, I don't know. I don't even know if, I haven't seen many replays, but I don't even know if Allison was in there if you're getting to that one. Um, it's just, one of those things. Um, you just got sugar at it, right? You just think, Fuck. yeah, you just okay. go, okay. Yeah. But as I was saying earlier, it was, it didn't really bother. It was like, oh, another not clean sheet, but which I'm sure annoys Van Dyke to no end. But um, you don't really want to upset him, really, do you? But uh, they, ultimately everybody's kind of like, well, well, you know, we'll, we'll go, we'll go down and score soon. And, and eventually we did. And it was another absolute, you know, world-class type goal. Um, and it was Mane and that canceled it out. And then Newcastle, it kind of gets in their head. And as you were saying, they, they don't have, they don't play that style and they can't keep up with us and they're going to tire. So they just sort of reverted back to what they are, um, which is, you know, make sure you're compact and, and defensive and hopefully you can get something on the break. And they have a couple of fast players and a couple of skilled players that, that can kind of hurt you. But, you know, as you said, if you're playing a team like Liverpool or a team like City, you have to get everything right. And, and a lot of teams don't. Um, and it was only a sort of a matter of time until they tired, until we found space, until the fullbacks started to, to sort of ramp up their game. And it's exactly what happened. And, you know, even I think we would probably would have been fine, as Justin said, with Origi saying on the pitch. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, he picks up an injury and Firmino comes on and, and Bobby has just been out of this world this season so far. Um, it's sort of like peak peak Bobby, um, which is great. And I, and I hope he stays healthy. And as a uh, guy was saying on Twitter today, it's pretty much Bobby's just never going to be dropped again after this, but, um, but yeah, I you know. And eventually we wore them down and, and that's what happens. And if you're not a high pressing team that can sustain that. And if you're not a, a an extremely well-drilled defensive team, like a Rafa team, which, which we kind of struggle to break through, um, you know, you're you're gonna get beat, and that was just the case today, and especially at Anfield, it's just the ball gets sucked in the net after a while, anyway. Um, so we don't have to be at our best, although 
you know, for 70, 60, 70 minutes, we had a, we had a pretty good game. Yeah, I laughed because I just saw a tweet from Harinda which needed retweeting. He goes, when will teams learn not to make us attack the cop first half? You always lose. You know, they, they think they're doing themselves a favor and it's, yeah. n- it's never, it's never the case. Just the problem with that is, is that's that Steve we, Bruce, that's, let's see Bruce trying to like troll and be like, ha ha, they can't, if, if this game is even at the half, them attacking the Anfield road end will, will, will do, make the difference for us. Yeah, it doesn't make a difference anymore. <laughs> you can pick whatever side you want. Good work, idiot. <laughs> love it, love it. Okay, um, well, Justin, I'm going to come to you because Kev kind of spoke about the first half and I felt like as soon as um, the play started opening up, um, I felt like our passing was much more sharp and much more swift. We were kind of moving the ball better. We've already said we weren't playing the best football, but we seem to found the rhythm. And we kind of pinned Newcastle back in their own half. Which was obviously then it was just literally a matter of like when, because we just seemed to just they were just out of ideas, and um, I want to get your thoughts on that because it certainly seems like it's a trend for Liverpool right now where they might not start well, but then they end the second half much better. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> I got lost for a second there. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the running trend is sort of, uh, we, we tend to score, I, I saw somebody say, uh, sort of either side of halftime tends to be when we're really, really good. Um, but this, and this game wasn't very much different than that, but we, we do tend to sort of turn the screw as the, as the game goes on. And, and as I said, we started slow and after 10 minutes, you're one nil down and then Mane scores worldy. And then after that, it was just shot after shot and position after position. And we had some, Shots where I have no idea how we didn't score. Um, and everybody sort of had a new, uh, uh, everybody was sort of having a, having a chance at goal, hoping for the best. And uh, I like those sort of games where you end up with 20 plus shots a game. Um, and that seems to be a running trend this season. But yeah, we do, we do tend to get better as the games go on and especially as, as the half goes on. Um, and the second half, I don't think we've had a bad second half so far in this, these sort of five first games. Do, do you guys remember any that we, we tend to. I, th- uh, I thought we looked a little slow again today. Yeah. May, you know, not not bad, but like just because they had a chance in the second half. But we'll we'll obviously get to that. But Justin, I'm going to bring you in. Let's talk. We're going to start talking about individual players and sort of them, um, just different parts of them, like the defense and the midfield. So Justin, I'm going to come to you. Talk to me about Adrian because good that he didn't get a clean sheet. I kind of wanted him to keep a clean sheet, but. As um, I think Tadeva said, or Kev, I can't remember who, but I don't think any goalkeeper's saving that. Oh no, it's an incredible shot, and you just have to mm. you know, credit credit to credit to Jethro Williams. You know, if you're not going to score very often, you, you make the ones you score look good, and that's a, it's an incredible strike. Um, you you wish Trent was better for it. To be perfectly honest, if anybody's going to, I was kind of movie. expecting a worldie from Shelby. I think if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be fucking <laughs> yeah. From well, he tried. To, he tried it from fifty yards. He just yeah, hit the corner. Cause yeah, because he in fact did catch the man they were talking about, Adrian, off of his line and just couldn't execute it. But I think he like he was he was fine, right? He's he's doing exactly what you're being at what, what you're what you're asking of him, which is like replicate what 70% of Allison is doing and hope it doesn't hurt us. And he's replicating 70% of what Allison can do and it hasn't hurt us. So he's, he's been fine. He was basically very good in the, in the limited situations he had to deal with today and his kicking's gotten better. So 
I think he's I think he's a uh, he's a reliable backup. He suits how we play more than Mignolet. And uh, you know what we've asked for him in the, what we've asked for him to do in the league is come out play four games so far, and what we have twelve points from those games. So I I I, I can't do anything except for sing his praises, but still. I really would like the starter back. Of course, and I think that's fair. And I think um, I think every Liverpool fan would agree with what um, what Justin said there. I mean, I want to get your thoughts, Kev, before we move on. Yeah. So, um, so the difference for Adrian is probably he's he's coming from. Well, I mean, we remember him sort of West Ham, where he's probably taking a lot of shots um, and having to save a lot, and the, sort of the the difference there's two there's twofold for coming to a team like liverpool one is you're trying to fill the boots of arguably one of if not the best goalkeeper in the world and um and you have to do that with sort of style and grace and <laughs> and be able to distribute the ball like him and have the positioning like him so that's sort of big boots to fill but on the other hand it's just joining a top team you're not going to see a lot of action um and you have to be ready for when it comes and that's what Allison is brilliant at and, and, you know, what the top goalkeepers in the world are brilliant at. And as Justin said so far, Adrian has been, um, been pretty, uh, pretty great, uh, for us. You know, we, we kind of, he got thrown into the deep end out of nowhere and he, j- he had just joined and he, now he's had some time to sort of work, work with the team, work with the players and probably work on communication and stuff like that. And we, you know, we have five wins, you know, and he's, he's been the keeper for what, four of them. So. You know, you can't really fault him, and uh, and he seems a great sort of guy and a great personality, and hopefully he's good in the dressing room and everybody gets along with him, and that seems to be the case. So I'd mm-hmm. love to have Allison back, but uh, Adrian seems a great pickup, and it was a, it was a great shout by our transfer, our transfer gurus on the pro side because um, that's exactly what happened. You know Klopp said, I like his name. It reminds me of Rocky. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, that was a conversation. That was it. It was a name that sold it. I mean, that's just my take. Yeah, it exactly. would be the most clop thing ever, though, to also just be like, "Hey, let's create a meme." Yep, um, I agree. Um, uh, I, I love um, uh, I love um, Adrian as as a second. But you know what? This pod, it wouldn't be an Ina Casa show if it wasn't a little bit everywhere. We have a question from Lubo. We have one from the Biblical Boy as well. We'll get to that when it's a bit more suitable. But Lubo wants to know: Can we please? Because we were kind of talking about the first half. Can we please talk about VAR shitting the fucking bed again after all this talk? This breakout about VAR needs um needs to do more than correcting errors on the pitch. How the fuck did they not give a penalty for that wrestling tackle on Matip? Let's talk about this. And um, Justin, I'll, I'll come to you first on this one because I had Sachin on uh, Media Matters and we spoke about VAR and for he was against. He said uh, it's really... Um, it's got referees questioning their ability and making the right call. There's like an authoritative crisis. They're kind of scared to give penalties. But today, VAR was pretty much fucking asleep because that, if that isn't a fucking nailed on penalty, I don't know what is. I mean, talk to me about that. I, I, I you know what? I'm, I'm for VAR because I like the idea of them, you know, getting big calls right. Mm. But if you're going to implement it like this, where you're just using it as like confirmation bias for refereeing decisions, to say, yeah, we made the right decision by not calling this a penalty when it's obviously a penalty, then just don't fucking have it. Like, there's there's no point. If you're not going to actually use it correctly, which in this case should be to overrule a no-call and actually give Liverpool a penalty, there's no point, right? It, it's not. It, it shouldn't have referees doubting their ability. They're, you're going to make mistakes. And by the way, the Premier League standard of refereeing is bad. There's a reason there wasn't a single English referee 
at the uh, at the World Cup in Russia mm-hmm. in 2018. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you should probably take VAR a bit more seriously and actually use it for what's intended to do, which is correct egregiously bad calls. I agree. If you can check over every single goal, you should check every kind of um, activity in the box. I mean, do you think that's fair, Kev? I thought, what is the point of VAR? Is it, is it still an international break? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, maybe it was used better on the international break. Um, the... <laughs> <laughs> so I sort of fall on the same side of as Justin. If you're going to get, if we need big calls to be correct, like I, I could care less about sort of the insignificant calls and you can make the mm-hmm. argument that every call is significant, but, um, but on the big calls, you need to be correct. And I saw somebody on Twitter and I, um, sorry, may have been Carl actually, but somebody was talking about, um, this is the same exact situation as, as, as Rodri the other week where it, it was a no call. And I think it was classed as an error by VAR, which that means there's two. If they review this one in class, this is an error by VAR, then then that's two in two weeks. Um, and it's just, uh, I don't know how you do that. And I, I do believe, as you guys are saying, it, it's probably a, um, some sort of ego thing with, <laughs> with British refs where they're, they're questioning whether they're going to look bad or they're questioning sort of overruling their fellow referee brethren. Or, you know, things like that. Cause if they go like, well, you missed this, you missed this blatant penalty, but VAR caught it. How does that look to you? Where it should be the point of the, the mission of being a referee is to get all of the, all of the rules of the game implemented and all of the calls correct. Um, and I, I just think it's been gross. If, if this is not a penalty, then I don't know. I don't know what is when you review VAR. What are they going to use it for? And I guarantee mm-hmm. next weekend they're going to give a penalty where they're prob it's probably really really borderline um to sort of make up for it because because they're they're going to start miss- missing egregious calls if they if they keep keep going like this and uh, and I don't know if you if you guys remember the Roger thing it was almost exactly the same thing where they're just hanging around his neck um and I believe they came back when they reviewed it and said it was a mistake um and if we're going to keep having mistakes then what's the point of VAR it's supposed to get rid of it uh, we might as well just have the referees being shitty and not going to the World Cup because it's the same exact thing. Yeah, umbilical boy just goes, if that was Harry Kane, it's a penalty. Yeah, no complaints here. I I absolutely agree with you. I mean, we'll quickly tie up this little chit-chat about um, VAR, but like, I mean, I want to get both of your thoughts on this because, Kev, I was sat there and I was listening to you and you were kind of talking about authority and things. Now, I want to get your thoughts on this, lads, because if I'm an official... And I see something and I think it's a penalty, right? And I have the luxury of something that will guide me either yay or nay will help me with my decision. Now, as a referee now, I wouldn't be too, my ego wouldn't be too hurt because I've just seen things with the first action kind of like you've seen it live. You know, you don't have the luxury of a replay. So if I've seen a player being wrestled to the ground with the defender's arm around Matty bringing him down, like to me, I'm like thinking that's a penalty. And then I leave it in VAR's capable hands if it was to be used to kind of call it or don't call it. I mean, I want to get your thoughts on this. That's how I would deal with the situation. I wouldn't think all oh, my ego's being hurt. I just think, hey, I've got a, I've got a tool here that's better, uh, that's going to better assist me. The problem with this entire hypothetical you're putting out there, Nina, is that you're basically asking a profession where the person of like most repute and the most looked up person in that profession is Howard Webb to self-evaluate. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I sort of agree with what you're saying. So th- that could be the one mindset would be like, well, I-, I sort of think that's a penalty. I don't really want to get it wrong. Hopefully, you know, like VAR should catch this. But then if they don't, and I'm pretty sure 
I mean, we could check with the guys that are, that are, you know, specialists at the rules. I pretty, the, the ref still has ultimate rules. So I wonder if he leaves it, VRR says nothing. He, he should be able to go like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's actually a penalty guys. But if, if that's the case, then he should just call the penalty and be overruled and be like, well, you know, I was trying to give benefit of the doubt to the attacker, but I was wrong. It's better than giving benefit of the doubt to the defender. And then knowing, knowing in your head, it's a penalty, but then your, your buddies in the box get it wrong. Like it just, it looks, the optics are way worse than calling the penalty and then having it overruled. Yeah. Like, people will forget about it. Right. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. They'll just go like, well, at least he thought he thought what he saw. And now his buddies have actually made the correct call rather than just not doing anything and hoping that your friends make the correct call. Like it's, uh, they need to take some initiative. And if they want to be, you know, if, if it is, if it stands that the, the ref on the pitch is the ultimate authority, then make the authoritative call and get overruled by people who get, who have a better, you know, a better view of the, of the situation. I also uh, think as well, maybe referees um, sh- maybe should take it upon themselves to, um, be a bit more pro VAR, like kind of, you know, like kind of sell the idea, like if they kind of say, hey, you know, we've got this awesome bit of technology that's kind of going to kind of help us. And if we kind of take that, if they have that kind of conversation and, you know, in their post-match chats and things, maybe people are more forgiving towards them because it looks like you're very pro for it. You're, you know, you're in support of it rather than it being like a clash of authority. Does that make sense? If they kind of work as a team with VAR, maybe fans are a bit more forgiving. Yeah, exactly. And it should be sort of a joint venture because right now it reads like it reads like the refs were terrible and the FA is going here. You guys need this rather than, well, bring this in, which is probably true, but (laughs) bring this in and you guys should be working with this. So it's sort of like so. So the best chess player in the world is actually a computer, right? So like Mm -hmm. the best chess players in the world get beat by a computer, but that computer can be beaten by a chess player and a computer playing together. If that Mm -hmm. makes sense. And that's sort of how the way they should, should look at it here where it's the best, probably the best referee in the world is a video screen because you can replay it over and over and over again, you know, but in real time games and when you have to make the call quickly, the best referee in the world is a referee plus a video screen. And that's what it should be. Yeah, Justin, were you going to say something? W- once again, Howard Webb, right? This is not... <laughs> <laughs> He's this not today. <laughs> this is not a profession that involves the concept of introspection, right? This is the problem. Once again, it's not the entire concept of VAR. It's just the implementation of it is bad. They're just using it. Like, you got to remember certain things about the FA and how they protect their referees. Remember mm-hmm. when they were talking about the amount of, uh, like, look at the FA when it comes to overruling themselves. When they initial, when they offer an initial punishment, 99% of the time it's upheld. They said their referees are correct 98% of the time. There is a lack of the desire for introspection here, and in VAR is naturally an introspective process, right? It mm-hmm. ultimately comes down to the fact that another human's making a decision. To, yeah, another human's making a decision, and they hate that. Mm. Right. Yeah. You get Pierre. Get Pierre Luigi back out. Get him bringing VAR around to all the countries and say, like, look, if I use this, I would have been even better. But yeah, as you said, if Howard Webb is the the icon you're looking up to, eh, I don't know if it's going to work. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think we should swiftly move on from VAR. But you know what? It ties up nicely because we literally had like three seconds to theme about it because Sadio Mane was like, I've got different ideas. I mean. Let's be, you know, talk about a wonderful strike. I mean, Kev, I'll come to you first. 
Yeah, it's nice it's to see just, him happy again, you know? Yeah, the, yeah <laughs> I think he's always happy. Um, that was put to bed, you know, uh, yesterday with the, the sort of social media stuff. But the, uh, yeah, it's nice to see him happy. And, and the, the, I feel bad for the, the guy from Newcastle. I've, his name escapes me because Mane just comes and does the same thing and makes it look better. So it's like, no, 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 mate, this is how you do it. <laughs> just puts it in. And, uh, yeah, that was that. And then big grin. But the thing about him is he scored that and he just calls everybody back because he knows we need a second one. And it looked really professional and it looked like, yeah, I score these all the time. And which, you know, arguably he does, um, which was great. And it was, it's this great strike and there's not much you can do about it. It's so funny, Kev, because I mean, Justin, because when he scored that, I thought to myself, I can't think of the last time he scored an easy goal. We'll get to his second goal. But my God, what a strike the first one. Yeah, I was going to say, I can't think of the last time he scored an easy goal until the day, <laughs> until, until, until punches one into his path a few minutes later. No, it's an incredible strike. Like, he, it's, it's, he's got this knack right now of scoring that goal, right? That exact, like, he did it against Chelsea in extra time at the Super Cup. He did it, uh. Southampton was, was a nice one as yeah, well. Yeah, Southampton, same exact, yeah, same exact position in Southampton, kind of just, Shoots that from that angle of of the area. It's like the it's like the mirror image of that goal that Salah had on lockdown in his first season, where you know you're just cutting and shooting to the far post in you know from from just inside the other team's eighteen. Uh, and good luck to keep us trying to stop those because that's a ball that's basically placed perfectly. That's going to be as far out of your but like most keepers can't cover that. If 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 he has the ball going off of his foot like that all season, he's going to score a lot of goals. Absolutely. Um, it looks like, um, you know, one of those seasons where it looks like the three-year-old going to have a lot of goal scoring between them. But you know what? Let's get back to positions. And Justin, I'll stick with you. Let's talk about the defence because I felt like overall handled the situation pretty well. I thought, you know, there was a few maybe scary moments, but I thought Virgil van Dijk really announced himself, made himself big, made himself quite scary, composing. I felt like the defence did okay. They do what they're meant to do every week. Yeah, and it's also Van Dyke and Matip right now. It might be the best yeah. center, center back pairing in Europe. Um, the two of them know exactly how each other play, know exactly where each other are going to be. And I think Van Dyke may have also found a way to tell Joel to be the, you know, you can be angry, I'll be the calm one. And, and it's kind of translating into Joel's play because he's a lot more assertive, particularly also when we're attacking other teams. He's really compressing space and like kind of playing as an ancillary destroying midfielder when other teams are uh, trying to trying to get out against us. Like, Joel Matip has become very good. Virgil van Dijk is a Rolls Royce. And defensively, like, you know, there's only really, for me, one bad moment, which is just Trent allowing Jetro Williams to turn him, which it's going to happen, right? But Robertson ga- Robertson allowed effectively nothing. Yes. And the two center backs, I mean, Newcastle, to be, you know, to be fair, were not able to really pose any sort of threat to us because yeah. I actually think that the three playing in midfield, once they found you know, their stride playing together really just dominated the game. But uh, I thought the defense did exactly what they were asked to do. Absolutely. I mean, Kev, I don't don't know if you've seen Waterboy, have you? Oh, yeah. Okay, you know, um, he's speaking about Matip there, and I love the fact that sometimes he can just go on a mad, crazy run like Bobby Boucher and just run at everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It just looks so unnatural, but every time he does it, I'm like, go on, go on. (laughs) 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 
he's just so like gangly and tall and he actually looks it's so weird he looks like a like a childhood friend of mine all grown up to six foot four or whatever he is but um <laughs> he uh <laughs> so i keep going like danny but um they uh uh as justin said he's uh the d- defense was pretty good you know trent got yeah. turned and so Trent got turned, but it should have really ended up in nothing. But the guy scores a fantastic goal that no one's, you know, no keeper's really going to get to. So it's like, you know, did it really? I mean, it turned out awful, but, you know, on probability, that's probably not going to happen all the time. Um, but other than that, everybody, once we kind of calmed down and got back into the game, everybody was great. And, you know, Van Dyke is Van Dyke and Matt Teep is fast becoming, you know, my second favorite defender in the world. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, and it is funny when he gets angry because he seems like the guy that would never be angry. Like he kind of, remi- it's like, no, it's sort of like a Mane situation where you're like, wait, why are yes. you so mad? You're so nice. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, and Van Dyke is just like cool, calm, collected. Like he took, uh, there was one instance where somebody tried to swing the ball into the box and, and Van Dyke heads it away or it hit him in the face. And I'm not yeah. sure exactly what happened because you see Van Dyke just and like, his facial features yeah. don't even move. I'm they didn't change. Like- yeah, how do you defy gravity so much? You know, anyone else's face would be all mangled and screwed up. Yeah, he slowly just shook his head and then moved on. <laughs> and it was just like, it sort of reminded me of like, in basketball, like Dikembe Mutombo used to wag his finger at people when he blocked a shot. That sort of voice reminded me. I was like, no, good try, but no. And then uh, they just went on with their day. And, and as I, said, I thought Robertson had a fantastic game. Trent was okay. Um, you know, okay from an attacking mm-hmm. sense. You know, not at his best, but, you know, we didn't really need to be. But Robertson was absolute shut down defense and, you know, lights out on that side. And he, he should probably should have scored a goal as well. So, you know, the defense was really, was pretty good. I mean, we weren't, everybody wasn't at our best and it was kind of a walk in the park. So that's, you know, that's a good, you know, a good uh, it's a barometer for the rest of the season, hopefully. I, I am thoroughly, I am thoroughly convinced that before games, like Virgil van Dyke probably like spikes Joel Matic's water bottle with hot sauce. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, just get him angry. Get him all riled up. <laughs> I like that theory. I'm gonna smile now every time I watch him play. I'm gonna be like, "Yep, yeah, must be, must be, hot, must be." Hot sauce, Joel. Yeah, yeah. Let's hope that starts trending. But guys, you know what? Let's move on to the midfield. Um, I do have um, a lot of questions on um, uh, a fair few questions on Ox. But um, let's talk about the midfield because um, there was a lot of surprises that Fabinho played. But I've, one thing I loved, um, he was just quietly just mopping everything up. I want to get your thoughts on that, Kev. Yeah, Fabinho is uh, is just another game. He's just, I don't think I've seen a game where I go like, well, he had a terrible game. So it's either like, it's either like he did his job and you didn't hear from him, which means he was probably really, really great. Or he does a lot of things that you're like, wow, that was a great match. And today was sort of a mixture of both where he was sort of calm and cool and collected. And again, you know, the travel is a sort of wear on your body. And uh, I was hoping he I was sort of hoping he wouldn't play. I don't know exactly know how the midfield would have shaped up if he didn't, but, and he's going to need a rest sooner or later, but today I don't think he exerted himself too much, no. but he was, just, he was just great. You know, every, he does, he times his tackle so well, he protects the defense so well. He's also sort of quietly marshals people in midfield. Um, you know, we don't, you know, the captain was, you know, Henderson wasn't on, Milner wasn't on. So you need that other sort of, sort of guy i think genie's maybe a bit too quiet even fab's quiet but he sort of leads by example and i just think he's a rolls royce in midfield he's just he's one of the best defensive midfielders i've ever seen and i think he's still got a level to go and um and today proved proved didn't prove me wrong in any way 
Absolutely. And just in, I mean, it just demonstrates the importance of having that kind of specialist um, player because, you know, when we were like sort of taking corners, he might have been like the deepest and, you know, he allows people like Virgil van Dijk to kind of stay in the box and, you know, Matip to be threats because they know and they have that assurance that they've got a guy there that can actually clean up and do what needs to be required. And, you know, there's just so much to his game because it's not just the defensive stuff, but he, you know, he has the ability to kind of ping a pass as well and look, look for a pass. Well, that so I'm going to preface this by saying I think that was easily the best midfield performance we've had all season. Mm-hmm. All yes. Uh, easily, easily. So as far as, like, when I think of a midfield, I think of, like, what are the two main functions I need my midfield to do, right? And I think anything above this, as far as I'm evaluating a midfield, anything above this I view as, 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 bonus, as a bonus, right? Keeping the ball, recycling the ball, and maintaining possession, and then cutting off the other team from attacking. They did both of those today, right? Newcastle really couldn't play on the break, really couldn't get out for long periods of time. And then also on the ball, the, the worst passer of, of the three of them, it's Fabinho at 93% of 93%. And like, you know, it's, it, we're not talking about small samples of passing too. I think Ox is 53 of 56 passing. Ginny's 78 of 75 of 78 and Fabinho is 76 of 82. So that's a lot of the ball. They're finding each other and they found ways to do it progressively. But Fabinho just seems to just plug every single hole, um, in particular for Robertson today, because Robertson really was getting up that wing. Fabinho just filled every spot that he vacated when he needed to. It just has such an intelligence of knowing where to be and how to read the game as to where, yes, he makes, yes, he's going to, you know, he's going to challenge and test a lot of tackles because that's part of his job. But he also finds himself in situations where he just, you know, becomes magnetic to the ball because of the fact that he knows what's just about to come. His spatial awareness is, is incredible. Mm. And that's what makes him so good. Yeah. He's a great tackler and he's got those bitery type legs that <laughs> lets him to wrap them around people. But his spatial awareness is amazing. He knows where he needs to be. He knows where everybody else is because he always plays a smart pass afterwards. And it's just, he's one of those guys where it's, I know they're a different type of player, but it reminds me of like peak Busquets where it's just, he was one of, if not the most important person on the Barcelona team because he set everybody in motion. And mm-hmm. that's how I feel about uh, Fab, Fab these days. Yeah, he's really kind of changed the complexion of that midfield. Okay, let's speak about another one of our midfielders, somebody that had a pretty epic international break, got a goal and assist for um, for Holland against Germany. Um, talk to me about him because he almost very nearly scored the goal of the season for me today. Oh boy, yeah, that he's just oh genie, the enigma. Seemed to be getting into the box a bit more today as well, which I liked. He, you know, brought that yeah. contact with him. Yeah, especially in these sort of when teams are trying to defend well, he kind of came back from international Blake, like, well, I can might as well end up with a goal or something. So yeah, he was kind of charging all over the place. He's quietly confident, and he's just so good on the ball. And yeah, that goal would have been something else because it looked the play through midfield. It was the whole package the play through midfield we think we lose it we win it back Mane's control is amazing he flicks it over a player and then he just keeps going it ends up a genie who sees the keeper just off the line and tries to like just flick it right over the top of him and it lands on the roof of the net and uh if that goes in yeah that's that's up there for goal of the season it's amazing um and genie's just i don't know 
it's funny. I was listening to another cheap plug for AI Pro, you know, the, uh, the Kings of Europe series and the Genie one was just released recently. And it's just, everybody's like, I don't know what he is. I don't know what he is, but what he does is excellent. And it's exactly the same as, as today. Like, I don't know what he does for our team. I mean, I can see certain pockets of what he does with the team, like holding the ball well, making sure we don't lose it, makes a smart pass, gets involved in attack. Like, but it doesn't seem like he's elite at any of these things, but he just makes us an elite team. And I just don't, I don't understand what he is, but I love him. And I thought he had a great game today. For sure. And Justin, your thoughts on uh, Ginny today and just Ginny in general. I think he controlled the tempo of the game today. Mm. Um, I think, I think that his short passing and constant runs with and off the ball and just finding different pockets of space to change where we're going to he changed a lot of the, the, the positions from where we attacked today. Like he, he was doing all the things that he does when you're like, damn, Genie Wijnaldum had a really good game. The reason why is because Genie Wijnaldum had a really good game today. He was just ever-present, ever-involved. And these, these are the games that I like seeing from him against poor sides. My, my problems with him have actually usually been against the poor sides instead of the good ones. Against the good teams, he always seems to step up. It's against the poor ones where he can just kind of go missing if you know the game isn't played at a tempo that suits him. But today he created a tempo that suited him. And, Kind of force everybody else to play at it. Like it, it's the thing that kind of shows you. And this is, I guess, this is the enigma part. He can be so good. He's so technically gifted. He's so he, he's got an ability to actually, you know, control a game. If he if, if, if he has the ability to control a game, and you just want to see it more, but you also love him because of the fact that you know that he does so much dirty work. And today was, you know, I, I think today was just about as good a. Jenny Wijnaldum as a central midfielder playing in the box-to-box role that you're going to get. Absolutely, and I love the fact that it was slightly, you know, tinkered and altered in terms of midfield and Ginny still had a good game because obviously there was a lot of talk about, oh, that midfield is garbage and that midfield combo doesn't work. But today, I mean, no disrespect to the opposition, but I felt like everything was just pretty much tight and cohesive and I had no qualms about the midfield whatsoever. And you're right, I felt like his little short passing and kind of moving things along swiftly kind of really helped and aided the team kind of open up and, you know, get the win effectively at the end. Let's move on to Oxley Chamberlain. It's so great to see him play football. I think he's been out for over a year and a half, I believe. You know, it's been ages since we've seen him. Um, of course, he's not going to be up to speed, but you kind of saw flashes of what he was trying to do. What, you know, like, I think that pass when we were on the counter, when he tried playing it to Roberto Firmino in the second half, if he tried playing the most difficult pass, which means the confidence is there, but, it, you know, things are just sort of catching up. Uh, I had a question from Umbilical Boy. Um, do you think that's his last sort of run till next weekend? Basically meaning that he obviously won't play against Napoli. And there was another question. Let me find it. Why do you type so much, people? Because Nina has to start finding things. But... <laughs> I think there was another question by one of our subscribers. I can't think who, and I can't find it as well, which is annoying as crap, but basically said along the lines of Ox look good. You can kind of see that what he's trying to do, but the quality just isn't quite there just yet. I mean, I want to get your thoughts on him, Justin. I'll come to you first. I I think he's a player who's coming back from a devastating injury who's showing positive signs, but still just needs to play more football, right? Mm-hmm. He was, I, I think I think he was pretty good today, all things yeah. considered, um, particularly in the pressing game and and kind of stifling stifling uh, Newcastle off the ball. He was he was quite good. On the ball, you know, he, he did a lot of, uh, he, 
he didn't try, I think, too, too many things that were too risky in positions that were, that were uh, going to cost us. So it's the type of thing where he got, he got the ball in positions where he could try a lot of things and it was all going to be pretty, it was all going to be pretty safe for him to, you know, try for something audacious and it didn't really come off, but he, he, you know, you can see that he's trying to make things happen both with the ball at his feet and by, and by moving it. And there's, there's a lot. There's a lot still to come there, but I think it's uh, it's encouraging. It is. And whilst Justin was speaking, Kev, it was Rupi who came up with that question about he's looking better. And Dell said, "Ox will take a couple of months, maybe two months, to get back up to scratch." And I think that's fair. But it's great that he's having these little runs against these kind of teams to kind of build up the confidence, build up the fitness. And of course, we kind of need that attacking midfield option kind of player, given the fact that we don't know what's really happening with Naby Keita as well. So it's just another kind of player, another kind of threat and more depth to this team and squad. I want to get your thoughts on Knox's contribution today because I thought he was okay. Yeah, I thought he was, you know, I could see what he was trying to do. He didn't annoy me or infuriate me in any way, shape or form. <laughs> well, that's a good start if you're not annoying Nina. But um the... <laughs> The, yeah, the, he was good. I thought he was our most sort of progressive player and trying things even, you know, in the first 10, 20 minutes when we weren't doing too, too well. Um, he was, uh, yeah, he was generally, he was very good today. I think we're seeing what he can possibly do. And I generally agree. I think you said it was gel to say, you know, maybe it's a month or two until he's sort of back up to speed, but the only way to do that is to play games. And this is sort of the perfect game to play him in. We needed to rest a couple of players. We needed sort of a more, you know, advanced number eight. And, um, and that's exactly what he gave us today. And I thought, uh, as Justin sort of said earlier, the midfield, this is a great midfield performance. It was, uh, it was really balanced. And I think that's why, um, you know, we had Fab who sort of cleans up the mess. He gets in the spaces he needs to and contributes to the attack. Genie had a genie, you know, had a great genie day where he's just controlling the ball, keeping the tempo going, keeping us all ticked, ticking over. And then, um, and then Ox was the more progressive one playing the passes we need to. Yeah. And I agree, uh, what Justin was saying about he had, sort of um uh sort of the the opportunities to play sort of more aggressive things that could have ended up with sort of high risk high reward type situations and um he sort of pulled back a little bit from that i think that'll come with time but as you said the the pass he attempted to play down the left which was the more difficult one and probably would have resulted in a scoring opportunity if it goes through shows what he's what he's capable of and yes. it's only him and Bobby, if he's on the ball, and Nabi Keita are playing that pass, and and that's what they sort of bring bring to the team is those high risk passes. They're the ones that see it, and they're the ones that have the ability to play it. And it didn't it didn't come off, but you know at least he's sort of seeing those opportunities. And I think the the best is yet to come from him. And uh, to sort of circle back to the original question, which I can't remember who it was, um, was I think yeah I think Ox is sort of a one game a week type guy. Um, I don't think he'll play against Napoli. I think, you know, we'll go back to sort of the, the, the midfield that we started. Gonna ease him in out because, yeah. yeah. And we don't want to burn him out too quickly. Um, and, you know, he does have this injury history. Um, I know they're major injuries and, and, and things like that. And he has to become back slow anyway. But I think he's sort of going to be a managed type player where he may play, you know, either in the Champions League or in the Premier League, but not, but not both. Um, and that's sort of the way we'll go. But overall... He had a good day, and I'd like to see more of him. He seems like a great guy, and he, I, I like him in Liverpool. And yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Ox. Yep, um, I have um, I have to completely agree with the umbilical boy there, saying good 
good management by Klopp there. So, yep, ties in nicely to our first initial question from our first caller. But I'm going to interrupt this pod because we do have another caller. Harinda, you there? No. No, with a VIP guest. (laughs) Because it's not just me. Don't butcher his name. He's come all the way from Malaysia for this match. The last thing you can do... Well, the last thing that you should do really here is butcher his name. <laughs> I know the name. I know the name. Yeah. Go on. Go on. It's Harinda and Jagdash. We're missing uh, gags, obviously, but welcome to He's the show. He's in the back. What's he doing? Collecting pressing stats. <laughs> for fuck's sake. <laughs> hello, hello. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us, Jagdash. Well, you know what? One of our, one of our subscribers goes... I think it was Steve Pizza who said Jagdesh has got a 100% record. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> so come on and talk to me. How was that? How was the experience? It was awesome. It was something out of this world for me. I was telling the guys I really feel like part of the family today. But the game was, was uh, something else. I think Bobby was my, my man in the match. Yeah. Fair enough. And Harinda, how was it um, uh, for you today? You know, easy, fun? Uh, the highlight for me was Steve Bruce acknowledging his song. Yes, I read a tweet about that. <laughs> for those of you that don't know, the local fans that are singing Steve Bruce, he's got a fat head and he acknowledged it. Big and fat uh, head. Big, big fat, fat head. head. Big fat head and he acknowledged it and he got applause back. So, you know, fair fucks to him for that. So we're, we're, all actually, we're all actually <laughs> orbiting <laughs> Steve Bruce's head. It's the celestial body by which we all orbit Steve Bruce's head. Oh, shit. <laughs> How you doing, Justin? You all right? I'm, I'm doing okay. How can you not be after that? How about you, Kev? All good? Yeah, doing good. Just banished to the basement because, you know, the two-year-old runs my house. But, but all good. <laughs> Top of the league, boys. Have yes, sir. Five in a row. Yes, sir. We're happy, although I did call you out in the pod. I said you're an injury sick note. Well, if being at the game is not injury sick note. It is. How dare you sell me out? How dare you sell out your subscribers? Do you see people? Who's the loyal one? Who's your king? Me. King? What? <laughs> yeah, I've had a sex okay. change. Have, have you explained this to your mum how you're not her daughter anymore then? <laughs> <laughs> it's the deep voice. <laughs> What the fuck? There is no deep voice. I think I'm more worried about the extra leg, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it! You know I'm pissed off. You know what you're disgusting. I've been dead. You, you said you're the king. Don't blame me. Guys, I'm blaming Jagdesh. Guys, this conversation blame is going to be cancelled. You can't blame Jagdesh. He came all the way from Malaysia and we won. Justin's virgin ears. I know. Do you mind? This is a family show. Piss off. Oh, okay. <laughs> Have an awesome time, guys. Take care. Up the reds. Enjoy your journey. Yep. Yeah. Jagdash on the plane to Napoli. Champions of Europe. We are the champions. Champions of Europe.
There you go. The, the Desi Choir there providing the entertainment. You know what? Awesome stuff. And I'm so glad Jagdesh had an awesome time. And it just shows the magnitude and how big this club is. The fact that people travel from everywhere to watch the Reds play. Cannot stress that enough. Cannot bring that home enough. It's awesome. It's brilliant. But guys, you know what? It was great um, for Gags, Jag, and of course, Harinda to drop in. Let's carry on talking. Let's talk about the forwards. We kind of spoke about Divock Origi. You can kind of see what he was trying to do. You know, he was kind of forced out left. But let's talk about the attack because I felt like it was one of those games where two out of three perform, two scored. And, um, but yeah, Roberta Firmino had a great game. I mean, I can't get my head around the attack. I just think they, they are such a head book to just kind of analyze. It must be a nightmare for defenders. Kev, I'm going to come to you first. I think what we can do first is maybe talk about Sadio Mane because to me, I felt like he was consistently just being that threat again. Yeah, he just came out of the blocks like, I'm just going to run the show. Um, mm. I don't know if it was he was just spurred on by all the social media stuff about him and, and Salah and all that stuff, which I'm sure, as we said, when it happened, there was nothing in it, and they're still buddies. They're just in in competition with each other, and they make each other better. But he just came out today and was he was great. And I I, I saw as I was saying earlier that he was everywhere. Like he obviously he was playing. So we had a weird setup in the beginning where sort of Origi was drifting wide and uh, the other two were kind of moving into the middle more and more. But as we sort of adjusted and Origi, I don't know if it was tactical or just what the guys were doing out there, but as Origi kind of moved more into the middle, then Mane came alive. And uh, he was everywhere. He was on the right, the left, through the middle. He did whatever he wanted and he scores a, a you know a world-class goal and then and then gets an assist from a goalkeeper for another one. Um, and it was, uh, and he, you could see everybody was trying to give him the hat trick. He was <laughs> passing it into people so they could flick it over the top to him and, and that sort of thing. And, uh, but now he, he had a great game and he's a, he seems a great personality and he, we fits, he fits so well into this team and he was a great pickup by us in general. And, uh, yeah, today was no different. And, uh, yeah, he deserves all the plaudits he gets for today because he, he was excellent. He was absolutely excellent. And Justin, I want to get a, a word on you from Sadio Mane as well, because um, I, I love I love the fact that we have three very, very special strikers. But like today, he just seemed super duper up for it. And, you know, one thing I kind of did notice about what maybe even helped him Robertson's game, you know, somebody that we kind of gave a lot of praise to, but there was really some good link up play. And I saw Sadio Mane dropping quite deep today as well, which was quite you know nice to see. I, I think Sadio's fantastic. Um, mm. there, there's a thing about the, the, all three of those forwards that I find kind of fun, which is for two of them, you don't know what they're going to do at any given second, and that what, mm. that's what makes them impossible to defend. And that's what, with those two I'm talking about. It's Firmino and Mane, whereas Sala, you know exactly what he's going to do, but you're not, not going to stop it. And it's a terrible situation for a defense staff to come up with, where it's just like the one guy we can't stop, even though we know exactly what he's going to do, and the other two guys we can't stop because we have no idea what they're going to do. But... The, the only people who know what the, the other two are going to do are the other, are, are all three of those front three. Like they're, they're also just, there's such a chemistry with them and knowing where to use the ball in dangerous situations that it's just impossible to defend. You're, you're good luck. Keep trying to keep a clean sheet against that. If that's your strategy, like it's not a good one. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know what? I couldn't agree more. Emma, of course, his second goal. I mean, Talk about a tapping, uh, easy goaler. He could have got a hat-trick today. But, you know, there were so many players that could have gotten the score sheet today. But just talk to me about that, um, Justin, because it was just kind of, yeah, he's just scored again, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, the second goal and and is just incredible from the fact that it's Bobby Firmino ripping ripping the ball away from the other team, mm. passing uh, passing through to take out their midfield and their defense, and forcing the keeper into a mistake that that Sadio is just in the right place for. But I mean, the second goal, it's Sadio Sadio gets the tap in, but that's that's Bobby just being a mad bastard. Um, who try? I, I don't even know who tries that pass where it's just like this. This is just a pass through that realistically shouldn't get there, but does. Like there was no reason there, there was no reason to expect it, and that was what was gorgeous about it. Absolutely, and you know what? Um, uh, we'll speak about Roberto Firmino, but how nice is it? Two goals for Sadio Mane, one and two assists for Bobby Firmino. I mean, tick tick tick. I mean, it just needed Roberto. Firmino kind of score as well just to kind of give it the whole glossy finish let's speak about Roberto Firmino I mean Kev he's just basically said it there he comes on in the second half I mean you kind of wanted him rested but you knew when he's going to come on we're just going to look like a different we're going to just look like a different beast with him on he is I mean I did a video on him like a cheeky plug for my new venture on Instagram Hmm. uh, the Nina Kauser show Uh, do check it out on Instagram I actually did a video on him and he pretty much demonstrated all the things that I love about Roberto Firmino, he is completely selfless. He will sacrifice himself for the team, but at the same time, make everyone better. And at the same time, he, he doesn't lose any gloss or finish off his own performance because those, you know, that flick, that back heel, fucking hell. Yeah. And he tried yeah. it again. He tried yeah. it again. <laughs> he loves it. He loves a back heel and he loves a no-look goal. And if you can get both of those, that's his perfect game. And he, he got one today. But as you said, he can do, he can, basically make way for the rest of the team to take the plaudits, but he still gets plaudits and that's how good he is. He just like today, he doesn't score, but we go, he completely ran the show when he came on. And uh, yeah, as I said earlier, I think we're getting, we might be getting peak Bobby, at least this first part of the season. Last season, he was a bit slow to start and and that is not the case here. Um, you know, as I said, you, you did kind of, my guess is he was going to play 20 to 30 today. Um, but you know, that changed after the injury and he just comes on, he looks like, you know, he looks like a Ferrari and he just does, you know, he works hard. He makes great passes. He's great with the ball at his feet. He can score goals. He's got everything. And he's just like, I think he's just the perfect sort of clop player. Um, and today, yeah, he just, that it just go back and watch the back heel for, for the, the Salah goal. It's just, uh, it's so nice. Um, and yeah, I think Trev Downey's been putting it up on Twitter every couple of minutes, I think, <laughs> just so everybody sees it. But, um, yeah, he was great today. And, uh, he just, I love the guy. He just seems, again, it's these personalities we have in our team. They all click so well. They all get along. They all work for each other. And, and Bobby seems like sort of the, the joker of, of everybody. And, and, but he backs it up with his play and his hard work. And, uh, as well, Gags just put in the chat here. He created three big chances in 55 minutes. That's depressing. You, that's depressing. Yeah. That's, that's, that's insane. 55 minutes. He creates three big chances. Um, and you know, it's just he's uh, he's incredible. Um, there's not much I can, not much more I can say about Bobby. Is that as as Guy Drinkle put on Twitter earlier, he can never be dropped again. Mm. For sure. Oh, for sure. And one goal via present due to Bobby. Look at that. Hey. <laughs> oh, okay, look at this exclusive stats coming on the Nina Kauser show. Just saying, we we get the hot shit hot takes right here. Justin, speak to me. You called him a mad bastard, but um, it's crazy because I I watched the game on BT Sport over here, and um, despite the fact that Sadio Mane got two goals, they gave it to Roberto Firmino because he just made that much of a difference. Despite us, you know, 
looking like we were in control he comes on we look like a different team altogether you know he put he takes us from a drawing position to a winning position draw draw no, i'm sorry it's <laughs> funny i just you know sometimes you gotta need to shut up you, you gotta have a throwback right <laughs> yeah but uh no um he's he, i love that guy he, he's he's incredible all he has he's a ball of energy that also has the skill to match like what isn't what isn't to love about that um he he tries the most ridiculous shit. It comes off way, far more often than it doesn't, and he does it all with like a somewhat mischievous, maniacal smile on his face. Yeah, I just think he can't close his mouth because his teeth are too big. That's my favorite. Possible, but every everybody everybody should like that. That guy's that guy's the best. He's he he enjoys doing what he's doing. Like, isn't that isn't that a a big part of being able to identify with a footballer? Is like. They're doing. They're playing a kids' game for a living, and like they get to, and you know, they love doing it. Like everybody should be drawn to that. For sure. I mean, Unbroken Boy there just said, "How much would um, how much would Pep Guardiola would um love a Bobby in his team?" You know what? I'm gonna step all over that and say, you know what? Like, I don't want to entertain that thought. No one can have him. He's just too important. I think Kev hit the nail on the head. He's a very much club kind of player. And I think he suits how we play and the players as well. I don't want to even like think about that. Do you agree with me? I- I'm sure Pep would want him and love him. Yeah, fuck off, Pep. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Justin, that's pulling no punches. He'd be great yeah. in a Pep Linders team. Yeah, in the Pep Linders team. I like that. I like that. <laughs> okay, let's move on to Mosala. I mean... It was kind of, he had a pretty quiet game, didn't he, Justin, in the first half, certainly. But then you can kind of see the willingness and he was trying and he was making all the intelligent runs in, but like he was having a bad game. But it was just so nice to see him get a goal. And fucking as soon as um, he ran through after that flick, um, the back heel from, from Roberto Firmino, you know the guy is not going to miss from there. Yep, on his left. Never going to miss that. Um, but you know, he did, he had, I guess you could call it a quiet game, but as Justin said earlier, he said, there's two, two players that you have no idea what you're going to get and from Mo and there's nothing you can do about it. And he does it all game. He's constantly making runs, constantly looking for, for the through ball, constantly looking for balls over the top, but he also comes back and gets, you know, in sort of the more linkage play between the front three and, you know, between Ox and. He just does everything. He's so talented. And he capped it off with a goal, which he probably deserved. And he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's pretty, uh, uh, he's amazing. There's not much more you can say. And if you're follow, if you ever follow Simon Brunners on Twitter, you could see how good he actually is per minute. And it's just, we've, we've rarely seen a player this good, um, this consistent for this long. And, uh, you know, and long may it continue. And, and, you know, he did, he, as you said, Bobby deserved a goal today for his performance. Um, but all of the front three did. Mane was incredible, and and Salah just keeps going and going and going. And and you, no matter what, you know what he's going to do to some extent, and you just cannot stop him. And, and Justin was right. And today, you, you know, he couldn't be stopped, especially saw, after that backflip. Backflip, please. Bobby's so that special. Backflip, the backflip takes like. It's it's an impossible situation for Newcastle's defense to have to handle, right? As evidenced by the fact that Liverpool scored on it. But you have the fastest player in the league running at you at pace and laying the ball off to the craftiest player who's going to take three players out without looking at where he's moving the ball to, right? Like how do you how do you stop that? The answer is you don't. 
and they didn't. But Salah's going to... The thing with Salah is you might shut him down for 70 minutes, but he's in better shape than you, he's faster than you, and he's going to keep making that run, and you know he's going to do it. And the only thing that you can hope is that he and he, he fluffs his lines because you're not going to stop him from getting a chance in a game. No, you're not. Well, I think overall, uh, you know, just, you know, five stars against all the strikers for, you know, scoring. And I thought it was really nice that, you know, both, um, not that there was any, any kind of rift between Mo Salah and Sadio Mane, but they kind of hugged at the end of the game. And of course, there was that hilarious kind of video of them two toddlers, where I think it, I don't know, um, I think Anfield Index kind of shared it as well. Um, I don't know who made it, but put Mo Salah and Sadio Mane's face on them. I mean, I, and, you know, Salah kind of like tweeting it and making a joke about it. I mean, your thoughts on that? It made me laugh. The media needed something to talk about or some sort of manufacturing yeah. scandal for the two weeks of an international break. And you know what? They kept on it for like, I think about 24 hours. And that's about how much that's, that's about how long the legs on that story were. Yes. You're not going to create a manufactured selfishness thing with it, with, with two players in a team that, that finished it on 97 points and won the European cup the year before. Like, <laughs> for sure. It's, it, it's, it's, I, I've noticed this, right. And this is a, uh, maybe a little bit of a, a, a little bit, of, of an off-topic thing, maybe it's a little bit of a. It's not really a shot at anybody, but it, it's it's one of those things where people are always arguing which one of the front three is, uh, you know, the most most important to how we play. And the answer is that it's. A, I reject the premise of the question. It's all three of them, and because of the fact that they all have different complementary talents, that's what makes it work. I like it. That is a very very diplomatic answer, Justin. Well, it's true. They they all yeah. score goals. They all they all assist goals. They all create chances for each other, and they each have a different function. In, they each have a different function and way of playing. No, absolutely. Um, uh, okay, I think we've kind of spoke about the attack there. There was a question by Rupi. I'm going to quickly get it from you. Um, it was something along the lines of why was Milner brought on ahead of um Shaq? I mean, for me, I mean, I want to get your thoughts on this. Maybe just the nature of the game, just to close it off, just tie things up in the midfield. Maybe don't overexert yourself with the whole attacking thing. That's what I thought. I want to get your thoughts on that. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you agree with Rupi? Maybe you wanted to see more of Shakiri. I mean, he did come on today. Uh, Justin, I'll come to you first. I, I, you know what? I, I think I actually agree with the, with this. I would I would prefer to, I would have preferred to see Shaq before Milner, but I think kind of a, a game that's a three-one, or I think. What was the game state when Milner came on? Was it three one or two? I think it was three one. It was three one. Okay, it was three one. I mean, yeah, three one. Then maybe I would. Uh, I, I think that's where you just bring Milner on to shore up what you have. As yes. much as I'd love, yeah. as much as I'd love to see Jordan Shakiri play, the three points is more important than him playing for twenty minutes and maybe opening up a hole. Because if they, you know, at three two, it becomes nervy. At three three, it becomes time to drink bleach. So. Uh, you know, <laughs> I just don't want to get myself into that situation. The Shakiri comes on as a substitute for the one of the front three if Klopp is feeling like doing that. But given that Bobby came on as a substitute already, I can't see Klopp. You know, I, I, I could see I could have seen him coming on for Salah or Mane, but like bringing if if Klopp was looking to shore up the midfield, which is what I think the Milner substitution was, considering it was directly for Ox. I don't think Shakiri is the player you bring on there. 
Yeah, no, I, I'd agree. Uh, I, again, I'd like to see more Shakiri, especially when the game's pretty much, mm. pretty much done. I think Milner came on in like the seventy fifth or sixth minute, and then Shakiri was on somewhere in the eighties. But um, yeah, I think Milner's not probably not going to play against Napoli, right? So bringing him on is just getting minutes under his belt. Um, he's probably going to be used coming up. We got you know Chelsea after that, and I think then we have a cup game so he might play in that so i think it was just about keeping his his levels up um shakiri the interesting thing justin that you said there is that shakiri came on for genie which i thought was maybe it's just kind of using that last sub and giving genie a rest but he came on for a midfielder which uh was interesting um but you know i don't think it's uh, driving any narrative that shakiri might play in midfield I, i don't know but um but yeah no milner coming on i think was just sort of as you said, shoring up midfield, making sure we didn't do anything stupid, and yeah. kind of using his, you know, his head to to calm everybody down and and get the game over the line. Yeah, there, 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 there are two substitutions that I never want to see in my as as far as what we have in the squad. I don't want to see Adam Alana brought into playing a. First you know when Clock warms him up, I have a theory. It's just to keep his steps up on the, you know, on the on the Fitbit. <laughs> get your yeah, steps okay. in. Maybe they're having a challenge, like a walk challenge. Like, I never want to see Lalana play in the front three, and I don't ever want to see Shakiri play in midfield. Like, if Shakiri's brought into a game just to replace a midfielder when we're trying to, you know, we're chasing a win, he's going in there to play as a forward, right? He's a forward. He should play as a forward. Playing him in midfield, I mean, it, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't do it for me. I think that's fair. Right, guys, I think we've kind of discussed everything, everything on the game. Uh, thank you so much for your questions. But, lads, before you go, man of the match is, is a hard one. Because, you know, there were some, like, you can, you can go for, you can go for, like, your obviouses, for, like, your side of your mind, is Roberto Firmino. But then people like Robertson had a really good game, Virgil van Dijk. You know, like, there's, uh, you know, Fabinho. There's a lot of people that actually stepped up today so i'm really intrigued where everyone will go i mean it's gonna be really interesting um i will come to kev first because you look like you're squirming yeah i am a little bit (laughs) (laughs) i wasn't looking forward to this um bilgo boy says pep limders i guess for celebrating in steve bruce's face which is a pretty good shout but yeah um yeah this is a tough one i uh because I was thinking about this during the game as well. I was like, do I go obvious, which you yeah. could, or do I go quirky? Because I did think I was watching Robertson and I was like, you've so, got a really good game, you know, like. Yeah, I think it, it's gotta be, it's, it's, you know, Bobby Mane, Robertson, Fabinho is probably uh, mm-hmm. all at the top of the list there, but. Yeah, I don't know. I'm really tempted to give it to Bobby just because he sort of changed the game and he created, yes. as, as Gag was saying, he gave three. Uh, you know, three big chances in 55 minutes is, is obscene. But, um, but actually because of the sort of the, the false narrative against Mane, um, I think I'm going to give it to Sadio Mane. Um, and it, what kind of tipped me over the edge was, uh, look, there's only one at work, Kev. You're going to give it to everyone. (laughs) No, I'm going to give it to Mane. So (laughs) yeah, (laughs) the Liverpool, uh, uh, Twitter account tweeted out that Sadio Mane is the first player in Premier League history to play 50 home games for one club and not lose. So wow. I'm going to, uh, he had 41 wins and nine draws. So I'm going to give my man of the match to Sadio Mane today. I mean, there'd be zero grumbles for me, whoever you gave it to. Uh, that is a really good chat and I really like that. So thank you, Kev. Justin, how do you vote? I'm going to go with Martin Dubravka. He had a great assist for the, what turned out to be the game winning goal. No, actually, all, all jokes aside, actually, Dubrovka was actually what kept Newcastle 
from having a, a, a less respectable scoreline. But I'm not going to overthink it. And I'm actually just going with Bobby Firmino because he's a mm-hmm. mad bastard who does crazy shit. It almost always works out. And I love him. I think that's fair. I was thinking of going quirky, but it's hard to look past what Roberto Firmino did. And when he came on, we actually went from a drawing position winning position and he's absolutely vital I, I have to agree but you know Sadio Mane is a great shot as well guys let us know who's your man of the match if you're listening as well I mean I thought Robertson had a good game I thought Fabinho had a good, good game so you know what um, there was some really really good shouts today but yeah I have to as well go and give it to Roberta Firmino because I have an agenda but guys thank you so much for joining us live thank you for the callers a massive thank you to Kev and Justin but before I let them go I'll let them plug their Twitter handles and of course anything that they're working on kev i'll come to you first where can the good people find you uh you can find me here on discord which you guys should be a part of uh i'm just kev i may be the only kev i doubt i'm the only kev i see um and on twitter it's at kev hegarty um you know i'm just spewing my bullshit all over the place you can agree with me or not agree talk about stuff um and that's it for me i'm not really working on anything except trying to keep this little monster who's yelling behind me, if you can hear her in the background, in check. Um, and that's it. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listeners. Thanks for callers. And uh, great time. Good win. Up the Reds. Top of the league. Up the Reds. Top of the league. Yep. Yep. Do check out McKev. Um, he always is part of the USA podcast. They, they podcast as and when they can as well. It's always great to get their insight. Justin, what about yourself? Where can people find you on Twitter? And what would you like to plug? Are you working on anything? You can find me at Rolls on Shabbos, S-H-A-B-B-O-S. It's a reference to the Big Lebowski. Great film. As far as, <laughs> as far as as far as plugs go, I'm not really working on anything, but I will always do my uh, my, my uh, basically. There's a lot of hungry people out there, and if you can, um, you know, bring some food to a food bank. Always, always. Um, could not agree more. Um, for my part, um, I will be back with the Euro incision this this week hopefully discussing a win and um if you are on instagram i've started a new little project where i kind of do daily content i am going to give myself a weekend off because you know what i'm human so it will be five days a week and i upload daily videos if you want to check that out all you got to do is go to instagram and it's at at the nina Kowser show um do check that out um I'm working kind of hard on it. I am actually working very hard on it. And your support would mean so much to me. Uh, keep it locked on AI Pro. There's so much great content. Um, uh, once again, a massive thank you to all the subscribers who have joined us live on this call. Um, wouldn't be a show without you and the callers. Massive thanks to Kev. And a massive thank you to Justin. I will be back for the next episode. Till next time, I have to say, up the reds. Enjoy being on top of the league. And have an awesome weekend. Podcast Network.